This is the official Covering the Corner podcast, episode 197. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, I have some meatballs, talk about stuff the Guardians did this week in baseball. Is Aaron Savali fixed? Is this, is this it now? Is he back to being uh, one of the, the Guardians' mainstay pitchers? Can the Guardians really win the AL Central? They're leading, leading it right now over the Twins and White Sox. Can they maintain that to the end of the year? And just talk about how kind of surprising that is compared to where they were to start the year and prior to the year. And we'll talk about uh, if Jose Ramirez... If they, I don't want to phrase it as if he's terrible or bad or not great in any way, but if he's not the only one who carries the team, who else can we rely on in going forward? And we might have found out our answer in the first half of one of the doubleheaders on Monday, but we will talk about that at length. Uh, joining me for that morning, this is Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? I'm good, man. How you doing? Not too bad. Uh, pretty, uh, not too bad. Well, that's good. I'm yeah, glad to We're now not having a podcast next week because I make terrible decisions and going to and Florida. I'm going, uh, I'm, I'm going out of town too, so, you know, you'll have more fun than I will. So, you know, small wins, I guess. You Do you get to hug Mickey where you're going? Is that, is that a thing you get to do? No, I have to go and schmooze with um, business types instead. It's definitely something I'm looking forward to. <laughs> what if you call them Mickey and hug them? Well, they, I mean, they can't. It's fine, right? Can't turn me down then. Then they'll buy my software. We'll find out. <laughs> find out next time. Yeah, so, you know. is Merritt going to prison? Uh, you know what else can uh, buy your software, Matt? What? I wish. <laughs> How much would Meatball pay for software? I don't even know if it's a thing. But anyway, this is our Meatball section, where, of course, we talk about uh, just what the Guardians did this week. Finding one thing to drill down on, just instead of reviewing every little thing, we'll find one fun thing to talk about with the Guardians. And uh, what's yours this week, Matt? I already got two, Matt. Oh, two whole meatballs? Two big, tasty meatballs. Mm, I might call this one of these. The first one's more of a meatloaf, too. It's actually, this is, I could have written an article about this one. And I might still, because not everyone who reads it listens, not everyone who listens reads. So, you know. Um, So this is actually, I mean, partially because I've just been watching this damn team all year. Uh, But but also, it's uh, drawn, I was listening to... um, a rival podcast. So the Selby's Godcast while walking to work today. And they were just talking about how this is a team that like uh, you know grinds out at bats and takes the extra base and does all the little things well. And so I spent like an hour not working today, uh, looking into you know, I mean, is that the case? Are they really just getting a lot of their runs by going first to third more than often more often than other teams? Sack hitting, sack bunting, sack flying, stealing bases, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I have several data points, both in the yes eh, and no. I'll go through them very briefly for you right now, Matthew. How's that sound? Oh, that sounds excellent, man. Let's uh, you know, let's get let's dive in. First in the yeah, I think so. This is kind of a grinding old school team. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this is across all baseball. All these stats: they're second in infield hits, second lowest swinging, second lowest swinging first strike percentage, and the sixth highest strikeout looking rate. So they're swinging the bat. They put the ball in play. They're sixth in sack bunts, uh, which is sandwiched, funnily enough, between the White Sox and Kansas City. They're also third in sack flies between San Francisco and San Diego. The Dodgers are first. The Red Sox are fifth. Which tell me one thing. Hitting a lot of sack flies, Matt, is not a direct <laughs> correlation to winning a lot. Um, they also have the lowest K rate, and they're third in baseball in stolen bases. So, 
having got all that information, are you feeling like this is a kind of a grinding team that kind of gets on base and causes havoc and things of that nature? Yeah, this sounds very annoying, pain in the ass, 2015 yeah. yeah. Okay, interesting. All right, so let's move on a little bit. All right, so oh, they are literally... This is kind of, eh, I guess, I don't know, whatever. This isn't really anything. <laughs> this is in the middle ground. So they are literally league average at taking the extra base. Literally, it's like 42% of the time a player on average in baseball takes the extra base, goes first to third or first to home or whatever it might be, second home, something like that. They are literally dead average. Now, Ahmed Rosario is sixth in all of baseball at taking the extra base. But the next closest is in the mid-40s. I think Quan and, and Ramirez are, are next to each other. And when but, you say mid forties, is that like percentage of percentage of, of 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 percentage of extra bases taken given the opportunity? The yeah. team that does it the most, I think, is the Braves at like fifty percent. So you know, um, now they do have in terms of raw numbers, they've gone first to third or home, the seventh most of any team in baseball. That's in raw numbers, not percentage numbers, though. So so whatever. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Maybe a little bit of action, but not as much as you might think. I wonder with those if it um I wonder if did even the Royals have that many or is that like a thing that it just seems like it happens more when you're looking for it? I think like if you honestly, think this team is I think it's a last thing because yeah, yeah that's like look just looking at oh, where did I put it I was looking at these stats earlier um just looking at it earlier it's like it's not really a, a correlation to anything that I can really see quite honestly it's just kind of like you said it's just one of those things you just kind of notice but also it's not really anything so in fact let me pull it up right now yeah it's just like once the narrative builds that you're scrappy and you take right exactly and, yeah which this team definitely has i mean oh i agree i agree i mean just looking at the other te- uh, extra bases taken teams braves diamondbacks orioles athletics at the top and then cardinals at the top five and then royals would, would be six so good team bad team good team bad team good team bad team and it kind of alternates that way the entire way down the list it's very interesting where it just has no correlation to really anything i i can run this back to 20 what was it 2015 yeah that'd be the royals i'm kind of curious i want to see it real quick let's see where the royals were on that uh since we're here anyway since we're, we're jib jabbing on this <laughs> since we're just hanging out here on the old internet yeah, we're just hanging out here on the internet from uh, the worldwide mo- web of data extra bases taken uh the royals were fourth 44 okay, so they, were, they were pretty high but it wasn't like yeah, blown exactly. away lee i remember thinking watching them it, it just felt like every damn time they could take an extra base they could but yeah, it's it pretty elite, I would say. So the top five in 2015 were Rangers, Rockies, Cubs, Royals, uh, Los Angeles, Angels of Anaheim. Jesus Christ. See, none of those were particular. I mean, I guess the Cubs at that point were starting to be good. That was, like, yeah, that was their year before. Okay. Yeah, they, they, they kind of set it off. Yeah, exactly. The Rockies were, you know, probably, they probably went 71 and 91 without me looking. Uh, <laughs> just kind of what they do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then the Rangers were kind of dismantling and the Angels were. I think they went to the playoffs the last time the next year. Um, the Astros were, okay. And then, so here's my, the last part of, I don't think this is really tells me anything. All right, so right now Cleveland is 24th in baseball in walk rate. Uh, they have the second lowest home run rate, which kind of tells you a different story. They don't hit a lot of home runs. I don't know. Uh, they're the third lowest in exit velocity, which is usually a good trender of getting base hits. But I think this is the most damning one. Uh, they're below league average in pitches per plate appearance at about 3.87. I think the leader was like 4.6, something like that. So they're actually taking less pitches than your average team or experiencing less pitches uh, per plate appearance. But they do have the highest contact rate in the majors. Yeah, the second one makes sense. The first one is is confusing. Interesting, right? A curious thing. I'm just like, hmm. you feel like they take a ton, but then you think of who's on the team. Um, 
you know, Rosario loves to swing the bat. Um, Naylor likes to swing the bat. And they both make a lot of contact. Uh, Jimenez likes to swing the bat. And they have a lot of rookies, too. So, really, it's only Quan, I think, who grinds out pitches. In fact, I was looking at it earlier. He's only one even the top 20 in baseball in terms of pitches per plate appearance. So, yeah. Yeah. Because even Jose now, he's since like the All Star break, it's not not exactly taking a ton, ton of pitches. It's his. Like it's just swinging more and everything that he shouldn't be swinging at, which I mean we'll talk about later. But he was the other one I would think about that would grind out of bats. I don't know if he's doing it as much recently. So I guess that kind of makes sense, but it's definitely one of those things that are opposite of the perception of the team. The contact rate is definitely yeah right that's, on track with the way right that's of course. But honestly, the the, the pitch for plate appearance thing that really surprised me. So yeah, oh for sure. And um, I, I don't know if I, I didn't listen to Selby's Godcast yet, but I don't think I mentioned a tweet that like somebody was. The, they were basically saying that the Guardians just play a bullshit brand of baseball and it's so boring. It's like, wow, we've turned, we've officially become that Royals team. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> the, I, think I, I that. Like, I can't I think of how many Cleveland it. fans must have said the same thing about Kansas City that year. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I, just, I, I had that exact thought walking down the hill. I was like, I don't know if that's true. If they really do, all do it. I feel like they do. But yeah, they really are an irritating <laughs> team to play. <laughs> which, which I mean, that's all you need to see is other other fan bases talking about it like that, and you know, we yeah. made it. We're here. Well, we're like, and I think back to the that, that those two years when the Royals were good. Like Tom Hamilton loved that team. He was unabashed about how much he loved. Like it was so every every time they played the Royals, it was just so obvious how much he loved everything they'd done, the team they put together. Uh, and he's a very old school type of guy. But I mean, absent the fact that I really hated them, I thought they were great. <laughs> I thought they were a total hoot. You know, um, I wrote a really weird article about them <laughs> like back in the winter, talking about how they were like this in between team between when, when two eras of baseball like emerged. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, it was, I, I definitely hated them in a baseball sense, which was fun. Like I was glad that I could hate a team like that. Cause there's nothing, there's right. nobody now because the twins are collapsing. The white Sox are just a mess. Like I can't hate them. It's no, I, I can never hate the white Sox. I think they're a neat team. I mean, come on, yeah, they're, they're making it black and white. So uh, anyway, what's your meatball, man? What do you got for me? Uh, so my meatball is not a, uh, it's, it's not a five star restaurant. It's, it's not even an olive garden meatball. It's just like a little frozen meatball that you didn't oven long enough, but, uh, hey. Those are, those are good. <laughs> I thought Luke Maley deserves some credit uh, and some recognition for for what he's done. I, I guess since the All Star break, all season long, really, uh, his WRC plus heading into Monday was up to ninety. Which, considering where it was earlier and where Guardians catchers have been recently, that's uh, pretty awesome. Uh, he's got a decent eye at the plate. I think better than uh, like again perception wise. I think better than it looks. He has almost a twelve percent walk rate. He he's great at not chasing pitches. And uh, since the All-Star break, 106 WRC+, plus, he's riding a six-game hitting streak going into the game. Um, it's going on while we're recording, so maybe by the time this comes out, it'll be snapped. But he's looked like an actual hitter, which is not something we've seen out of our catchers. Although I guess recently Austin Hedges, too, has, has hit a little better. But yeah, um, I mean, Luke Maley is almost at the point where if Bo Naylor comes up and is ready next year and you have somebody else who also values uh, defense like the Guardians do for catcher, I would almost rather trade Austin Hedges and get a little more and just keep Luke Maley as your backup. But um, I mean, again, if the trade isn't there, like if I'm at Rosario, just just keep hedges. But if it is, and you can get more than you would for Luke Maley, like Bo Naylor and Luke Maley, you all of a sudden maybe have a competent-ish <laughs> battering of of catchers. If Austin, one might say above average. Ooh. Ooh, I'm not going there either. Ooh, that's ooh. <laughs> I don't know if Luke Maley can stay above average that long, but he's he's there now at least. I think uh, I've moved is... five times since they had an uh, hit above average <laughs> production at catcher. <laughs> at and least. speaking of that one, Jan Gomes was just in a. He played in 
He's on the Cubs now, I think. Hey, he was yeah. here in DC. Yeah, and they played him a tribute. And yeah. That was like that's very sad for me personally. Yeah. Because oh, John that, that, that could have been our World Series. Oh, well. <laughs> it could have been our John Gomes. Oh, no. um, but yeah, that's, that's I just I just think Luke Manley's been good. There's nothing, nothing specific about him. I, I looked and tried to see like he's he's slow and he's getting slower as he goes. He doesn't hit the ball all that hard. He's not really a great defender, <laughs> but he's just kind of one of those guys. Like you just look and all of a sudden hey, he has a few hits and he just. He's always slightly better than you think. Um, just looking at him, I think the only real thing is that he's got a decent eye at the plate, which is again something the Guardians like, and and he's he's made it work so far. Yeah, he gives himself chances. Grinds just like the rest of the team. He grinds out of bats, et cetera, et cetera. As we, as we learned just a few minutes ago. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Now. So, what's your uh, your amazing the best meatball ever in the world? Oh, this one's, this is a pretty nice one. Uh, this is a reference literally to a game that happened today. Uh, today on the fifteenth of. Um, August, uh, big news, big news. Aaron Savali threw more curveballs by percentage than he ever has in his entire career. And they were good. And they were good also. Secondarily, they were, they were good. <laughs> Jesus, he threw uh, 42%, 43.9% balls. Uh, the next closest in his entire career is, I believe, 354 on October 3rd, 2021. Um, he had a 34.7 on August 24th of 2020. He has never thrown more curveballs, and he's rarely looked as dominant as he did against the admittedly lowly Tigers. Now, is that like you think a scouting report thing? Like, remember Lucas Giolito a couple years ago said he only changed up to the Guardians because he never adjusted? Is this like a thing where he's just looking at that Tigers lineup and just saying, oh, whatever, I'll just throw curveballs, I can't hit him? <laughs> I would think so. I mean, first of all, you know, I. And I was also thinking about this watching the, the first game today. How awful must it be to be a, a, a Tigers fan? They call up all their young prospects, and they're starting to oh, no. be good now. Like, this sucks. And they look over at Cleveland, and they're just like, <laughs> oh, we got another one. Here he is. They rebuilt for half a year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now they're back already with all the pitches back. <laughs> you have one year where you don't. Now, they still had a winning season. They haven't had a non-winning season. <laughs> they just... <laughs> Rebuilt anyway. Like, yeah, well, whatever. I don't know. We, we got these guys. Yeah, that's right. Nine in the top in the top one hundred. Uh, pretty good, huh? We're, we're proud of ourselves. What do you guys do? How are you doing over there? Oh, that's bad. So. <laughs> it's just like flying by in a Corvette and they're in a broken down Jeep on the side of the road. I will. I will say. I think he's getting. I mean, I think that people are being more lax in looking at, at whatever's helping with spin rates. And that could be helping Aaron Savale because <laughs> that was one of my notes for the Google docs. Stick <laughs> stuff, question mark. <laughs> Is this uh, I don't want to say it's all stick. Cause I mean, his spin rates always been amazing. That's we yeah. noted that before. Like even when his, his baseball savant stuff, everything is just terrible because it's two bright red balls of yeah. spin rates. So, 94th percentile uh, fastball spin, yeah. 95th percentile curveball spin. I don't know <laughs> what the, the actual raw numbers are until I look it up, if you give me a minute. But, yeah, exactly. It's just like, But I don't know what say? he does. <laughs> it's hard to look at two of his starts and say, like, this is what makes this one so much better than this other one. I guess just pure control, I guess. Like, we saw Tristan McKenzie so frequently when he's good. It's just purely because he knows where to put the ball and he's capable of doing it. I feel like Aaron Savali is just kind of the same thing when – I mean, we even saw it right away. Like I messaged you that we had our answer to Aaron Savali after like two batters and then immediately had to retract it because he just turned it on like that. Like those first two batters is what we've seen out of a lot of starts this year when he just struggles to put that curveball when he, where he wants. But um, he adjusted to it now and, and he just came out and well, a total of 36 curveballs, one putt in play, um, 16, or 11 whiffs and 12 call strikes. So they were not even close to this ball at all. 
I will say this. I just was glancing at his uh, spin rate by game. <laughs> Do they uh, jump you, a little bit? <laughs> uh, well, let's see. So just looking real quick, just, just at this year, just at this year, you know, um, you know, it dropped pretty precipitously, very suddenly back in 2021. Oh, that's weird. Um, very strange. Uh, we, won't, we won't get into it. But um, anyway, <laughs> so we um, came back uh, July 13th. He got hurt, I think, in one of the DL or whatever it is. Uh, he was down to 2865 RPM. Uh, last start before this one, 3,037, 3, highest spin rate in a single game ever. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, what are we going to do here? Do, do, do we have spin rates on uh, on today's game? I don't think so, not yet anyway. But we'll give him that later. But who's to say, Matt? Who's to say? <laughs> I mean, he's always a guy who had to live on guile and movement. And, you know, as you were saying about McKenzie location, because uh, he does not have the velocity, he never has, and never will. I hate his fastball with passion, but you got to throw it. But <laughs> it's, not, it's not a pretty fastball. It's not a. Uh... No, no. I mean, it's one of those things we got to throw it like once every other at bat, basically, and then you just continue to throw garbage at the plate. But yeah, I mean, if you're leading off with a curveball like his was today, you can just use your your fastball eventually. Yeah, it was all cutter sinker. He doesn't use his changeup at all. Hasn't he been slowly fading it out, and now it's just nothing. Today, yeah, he threw 82 pitches. Uh, Zero finger changeups. Yeah, 4.9% fastball, 18.3% sinker, 29.3 cutter, 3.7 slider, and 43.9 curve. So, yeah, and, and that brings us to our, I mean, the overarching point of talking about Savali. Like, is he fixed now? Is he, can we rely on him again? Which is, if we can, that's a huge thing for Cleveland. Like we were talking about, there's no way. There's no definitive third yet. I mean, you got Bieber and McKenzie are, are like a 1A, 1B almost at this point. And then you have... I would say Quantro's kind of given himself the, the, the third position at this point. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So then they have four, and then Plezak is just kind of dangling out on the side of the boat over there. But, um, <laughs> I mean, if Savali's back, then you've got like four... Again, we're just back to, like you said, the poor Tigers. We're back to having a full stable of pitchers again. Um, which, with the way having an actual offense who's... I don't know, maybe coached by an actual hitting coach, and then now you yeah, got all four pitches back. It's a, it's a quite a change. So, is he actually back? You think, or is this kind of like a he's pitched against I mean, the Tigers twice? So, exactly. So, like, it's it is very hard to draw a firm conclusion. I will say that, like, for better or worse, he's still got more swings and misses than every other pitcher combined. Um, and his start on Monday, uh, as we record this, eighteen swings and misses combined. The rest of the, all other pitchers had uh, seventeen. So. And Karen Sack obviously is I don't know. I'm 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 I didn't even give it any thought and then I was just kinda of glancing at various spin rates and then I just kinda of thought maybe he's doing something there. I just remember watching a game a couple of days ago. Um it must have been Karen Shack's last before they went up to um, Toronto. But he was sure it was one where he went nuts and get and got a talking to from the uh what do you call the um the umpire because he was going too crazy. He's doing a lot of like tossing the rosin bag and touching his hair, then tossing the rosin bag and touching his hair, and it's like I know what you're doing over there. <laughs> I see you over there. You were making sticky stuff. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, all that to say, I mean, Savali was always, like I said before, always a razor's edge guy. It's fat. Like, he just didn't have the the velocity to do it. And he was, and again, he's he's pitching against what is a really bad team. I mean, I'm sorry. Like right as I speak, as I say this, the Tigers are winning one to nothing, but they don't win a lot. They're terrible. They're very bad. And um, I, I know that's not like revelatory or anything like that, but there's a, somehow they're in last place in the division with the Kansas City Royals. So I don't know. 
I it's it's, it's hard to it's hard to know until we until we get to see him pitch against someone else. But the thing is, like his next start is going to be against who's that going to be even be against? Be the Tigers again? Is it? I mean, hey, if they can just hold him and have him only pitch against the Tigers <laughs> and Royals, going to be in the postseason. Gonna be good. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they play the Tigers again at all this season, so I'm not okay. sure. So because it's going to be five games from now, so let's see. Well, actually, it'd be five days from now. Is that a home run? It is a home run. Hell yeah, Jimenez. Uh, sorry, well, I'm watching the game while we do that. He just hit another home run. Uh, so, t- so two, three, four. It would be against the White Sox. He's just pretty good against the White Sox. So that would be a better test. The White Sox are also very bad uh, of late. Um, they're better than the, the Tigers, obviously. I think they have twice as many wins almost somehow. Um I don't know. What do you think? It's like I said. It's hard. It's hard to judge off two starts. He's been good in two starts. I think we're, we're total of what ten innings or something like that, and shitload of strikeouts. But yeah, you know, I liked I what I saw today, and he maybe he found something. I don't know. I, I don't think he can live off throwing nearly fifty percent curveballs for a long time. But against um, poorly disciplined teams like the White Sox and like the uh, the, the Tigers. That can that can help you. So I don't know. Um, yeah. I think also the curveball, just like you got to throw it that good to have it be that good. No matter who you're playing, like if he doesn't throw that curveball well, yeah. And we've seen earlier this year the Tigers can can hit the Guardians and still win a couple games. But yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there was a couple mistake curveballs in there that other teams yeah. might have crushed compared to the Tigers. But it's not nothing. Like ten strikeouts against the major league teams over six innings is um, it, it's still something. And I, one of those strikeouts too was. A really weird situation where the batter hit the ball twice on a on a. It was ruled a ground ball, but it ended up being a foul ball. So he had to come back in, and like ramp back up, and then get that out. And he did that. So it's not like he just collapsed on the first sign of something weird happening. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. It, it'll it'll. I'm excited to see him pitch against the White Sox and other pitchers down the stretch. And it's going to be a, a hard decision now, I think, between Quantrill and and Savali for who's number three because the, the first two, like you said, already. Yeah, locked up locked and, in there, yeah. So especially if uh, Bieber's, uh, as was reported uh, on a Sunday star, was his velocity is back up. And I will say that the, the thing that will help Quantrill separate himself with someone like Savali, from someone like Savali, well, specifically Savali. Uh, what a weird way to talk, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> specifically, like, this one guy. Yeah, specifically, this one. Someone like specifically this one guy. Um, and this is like something I, I know uh, Rick Manning talks about this a lot, and, and like, guys who like to talk about pitching, like field pitches, right? Like it's not so much that you throw it hard it's that you need to be able to throw it in the right way and if you don't have it that day then you're kind of screwed and like his change of his curve and even to a degree his cutter i would think if you want to get any movement on it are kind of field pitches and and again i'm not saying like they're doing something blatantly illegal they give them a rosin bag for a reason to get more tackiness and it's just you know over time people guys went from just spraying a whole bunch of what do you call it sunscreen on their arm and then using that as a combination with the rosin to create some some kind of tackiness he just got crazy with the spider attack over after a while. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if it's just they found a way to to make that more efficient. Just uh, well, it needs to be done. It's literally yeah. part of the game is giving the the it's yeah, a safety yeah. thing, right? Like it just it just no one policed it, and so baseball being a game of cheaters in its entire history, um, I usually respect cheating as long as it's quite as blatant as with the Astros, and they just pushed it. I think they got vote a little too far, but yeah, they are just. They figured something else out, and it's it was needed because otherwise it's a, it's a safety thing. So I don't know, um, and may, maybe it's been figured out that it now is back in as far as favor. To what degree? I don't know. Three sixty five ERA, right? Five or six starts per inning, or five or six innings per start, rather. And that's that's a good pitcher. 
Yeah. And I think it's, if this is where it gets to, like if this is as, as sticky as pitches can get their pitches, like this is a good spot, I think, where you still have these pitchers who can do insane things and it's fun to watch them, but also not everybody's getting perfect. I mean, that was almost a perfect game the night, but not everybody's always, there's not a perfect game every other night like last year. And I think the year before even, um, it's in a good spot now. Just, just the balance of hitting and pitching, I think is better than, um, it's I been in recent realize. years. And you also have one player hitting a bunch of home runs, which I think this game needs a, a lot. Like they need to add Aaron judge to chase a record, uh, more than they need everybody to hit 30 home runs. It was yesterday. Was I think was there? Maybe it was today. I don't know. All my days blur together. But it was the tenth anniversary of Felix Hernandez's. Uh, yeah, yep. That was. Yeah, I think it was either Sunday or Saturday. It was right around because somebody almost almost threw a perfect game on Sunday. And it was. But that was the first time in ten years. That was the last one for the last ten years. Yeah. So. Yep. And I will say too, you know, obviously in terms of waiting on waited on base average, offense is at the second lowest point it well. has been in, <laughs> since two thousand six. So I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> What's the lowest point? Is it last year? Uh, 2014. Do you remember oh, that one? Man. That was awful. I did. Nobody was... scored. Like it was just so bad. Like the the average batting line that year. My God, Matt. 251, 314, 386. Like just dreadful. <laughs> so oh, I won't. God. I don't know how you would even. I think you can look at the top percentile of players, but I think we have more like individual standout hitters now instead of. Does that make sense? Like a, instead, like a bunch of standout hitters, but maybe yeah, more like a, low average and a bunch of average hitters. What I think is better than, than having everybody raise the to, to say something, to give it a weird turn. There's a stronger middle class of hitter, if that makes sense, right? Like it's, I think, yeah. in, to a yeah. degree, that's caught up to what had become an incredibly strong middle class of pitching. And your boy Luke Maley just hit a home run, so there you go. There we go. Uh, <laughs> he did not lose his hit streak, so he made me look smart. Thank all right, you. all right, all right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that the. The, the floor is up a little bit. So like, you, you don't have a whole bunch of just like, I, I think Cleveland um, is um, like, as evidenced by they're moving away from Bradley and moving away from uh, Reyes. I think there certainly is a move away from to a degree, at least that kind of all or nothing approach. It's never going to go away. Cause again, Adam Dunn is one of the greatest offensive threats of the last 25 years. And what did he hit? Right. He hit 250, 400, 500, like 550 or whatever it was. Yeah, they've they've basically just moneyballed again. Like they've done the exact same thing that the A's did, which was everybody wants these guys who I mean back then it was purely guys who had big home run numbers, but now it's been high exit velocity and the Guardians have just scooped up everybody who high contact gets on base. Right. It's it's yeah, literally yeah. just they they moneyballed they just, they just, again. They found the something was cheap and they went after. Yeah. And it and I think when was this? I can't remember what I was listening. Oh, you know, maybe just cuz I got it off Subby's Godcast again, but they were just talking about how their theory was, I don't know how much of this is true, but it was at least an interesting point was that um, so many teams have gotten so used to shifting and all this stuff. And that just maybe the level of individual defense has dropped so much. I mean, I will say Keith Hernandez, you know, the, the Mets announcer, he asked SNY to not put him doing Phillies games anymore because their fundamentals are so bad. <laughs> Keith Hernandez. Was it, I only saw the somebody mention that. Did he actually say that like seriously or was it a joke? Yes, he doesn't want to cover them because it makes him <laughs> upset. He's, he's, the, I mean, he's known as the greatest defensive third baseman of yeah. all time. And like, I will say watching the Phillies is just a carnival. It is like, dude, I remember that being in that season of uh, the season. We were all like, what are they doing? Like worst case scenario, I guess you can just trade all these guys to be DHs elsewhere. But like, their outfield at one point was what Schwarber, Castellanos, and oh god, and that's Harper. Awful. I think I think that was their outfield. Yeah, that's <laughs> like delicious. it's so bad. So 
Um, <laughs> I don't yeah, know I don't if know. Hernandez has done anything terrible, but just from an outside perspective, I love him as an announcer because I get to watch a couple Mets games. I'm in New York, and like all the, he's basically Rick Manning turned to eleven. <laughs> as far yeah. as the, he's grumpy, but not in a way that's like angry. Yeah, and he's got a lot like of wisdom. Guy. He's yeah. uh, he he knows the game very. Him and um, who's the other guy? Uh, Ron Darling. Yeah, oh yeah, like they're they're really Marcus. good, and then uh, the, uh, what's his name? Gary Cohen is really good as well. Yeah, they, I mean, they have the best booth in the, in the majors, probably. Yeah, White Sox probably up there pretty close, but it's, well, I don't know. They're losing Benetti soon. They're going to lose oh, Stone true. apparently at the end of the year. So, and meanwhile, hey, uh, Cleveland also has a three man booth, so that's something, right? It's they the same. They sure do. Yeah, there's three guys there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so we mentioned uh, Selby's Godcast twice now. So legally. If uh, TJ or Zach listen to this podcast, they have to mention us now, I think. Or else, yeah, checkmate, fools. I, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta start listening to podcasts that are about the Guardians because yeah, no. it really ruins my independent points. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, the Guardians, they're, they're, they're building this weird team, they are what they are. And I mean, at this point, it's looking like they could win the AL Central, which uh, Chris Davies wrote today about it. The fact that the Guardians went from, I, I, I think, Fangraphs. They like picked. What was it the the only AL team they didn't pick to make the or the only AL Central team they didn't pick to make the postseason? Nobody on Fangraphs picked them, um, which I, I I didn't think they'd win the World Series or anything here, but that kind of is insane. But they've gone from basically they started the season third, a pretty distant way away from the White Sox and Cub or White Sox and Twins in terms of playoff um, odds, and now they're they're number one. They've climbed up the whole season. Chris included in his post a, little, a chart that shows the one of the fan graphs like win probably or not win probability, but post season probability over time. And it's just, it's a beautiful chart. Watch the, the guardians kind of ho-hum in May and June. And then just July, they shoot way up and then they slow down in August. They've just taken over the league um, recently and watching like, the white Sox completely collapsing on themselves. So I don't know. It seems like there's, they're going to go down again at some point. Uh, they're, they're just not going to do this for the next two months. They're going to struggle again. And that's fine. It's, it is what it is, but can they do this and then go through another struggle? I'm sure at some point bounce back again and, and go into the postseason and maybe be one of, I don't know. It's weird because they're in the AL central. And also if they were in any other division, they're not leading a division, but they look so good in the central right now. Um, eight and two in the last 10, they, they lost the one to the blue Jays, but still pummeled them twice. So um, yeah. How are you feeling about this team and the chances of actually pulling off, which pretty a big upset compared to where they That'd were be the season. Oh, yeah, I mean, just, I mean, and you got you to figure there are so many unknowns with the team. I mean, I think we were all looking at the the opening day roster a week or so ago, and it's just like, what was this roster? It's insane. Like the, Wasn't the name Bobby we Bradley see, there. Yeah, Brad. I mean, Bradley Reyes. Like, just so many. Quan was batting ninth, I think. Um, it is unrecognizable. I mean, there's guys in the lineup now, especially tonight, because it's the second half of a doubleheader. Um, who just you never expected to see that. Um, so they have 62 wins, right? There's, um, assuming they, I'm just going to, you know, be optimistic and say they win the second game of the doubleheader. They'll have 63 wins, um, which means they have 46 games left to play. If they just maintain their current winning percentage of 539, that's an additional 24 wins, which gets them to 87 wins. 88, we'll call it. We'll be optimistic again. Do you think 88 wins? That would mean Minnesota would have to win 30 more games. The White Sox would have to win 29. They both have a 513 winning percentage right now, which obviously would not get them there. Having said all that, because again, I I think they could. Of course I do. I'm a fan of the team, and I think they're doing real well right now, and, and they're starting to figure stuff out. But I don't know. I mean, can Minnesota go on a tear? Can Cleveland? Saying they only have to win 25 more games 
from now until the end of the season seems much more doable. That would be 25 and 21. Do you think they can go 25 and 21 over the next uh, month and a half? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, right? it's yeah. Oh, 25 and 21. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. not a difficult schedule, especially in September. They play the Orioles, Mariners, Royals, Angels, uh, Rangers, and the Rays are going to be hard at the end. But then sandwich in between there is um, in total, was that three? Eight games against the Twins. I think no matter what they do in the rest of the game, the division comes down to yeah. how they do in those eight games. I, I, I honestly disagree with that. I think it all comes down to the last week of the season where they play the Royals six games in a row. <laughs> That's true, yeah. They also have the Rays for three, but of those last nine games between Minnesota and the White Sox, those two teams play each other uh, six times. So... I'll say this also. So if they win 25 games, that's a 543 winning percentage. They're basically right there right now. So they have to maintain their exact current production to win to get 88 wins and probably win the, win the division. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, the, the, the games against the Twins are going to be important. Um, will the Twins be able to keep their head? I don't know. I mean, we have a couple more games before they get there, and there's definitely a chance that they can kind of continue to spiral. But I'd love for them to continue to spiral. That'd be my, course, yeah, <laughs> my peak. It's hard to climb out when your bullpen is the one screwing you. Uh, the hardest thing to overcome is oh, without a doubt. Like and when like, your your offense is clicking, your starting pitcher's fine. You get to the seventh inning, it just implodes every time. It cannot mm-hmm. be a fun experience. Well, and that's the thing. Like you even look like, at things just like, like like runs allowed. Like Cleveland has allowed four hundred seventy two runs this year. Minnesota it's four eighty eight, and White Sox are already at five hundred four. I mean. Detroit's only allowed 513. So the White Sox defense is an ability to keep runs off the board, I guess, is right, is barely better than the, than the Tigers is. So it gets one blowout away from being as bad as the Tigers. <laughs> so I have one interesting question. I'm looking at the schedule because I did not realize they'll play the Royals six times in a row in a to row. end the season. In and a now, row. <laughs> three of those are reschedules. Yes. So if the Guardians somehow run away with this and they have more than a three-game lead and no matter what, they'd be locked into, I guess that'd be the fourth seed, do they just not play those games? Because, I mean, historically, haven't they not played a game they had to make up against the Tigers that one time and then they played 161 games? Yeah, when they went, went eight, 81 and 80. I think, but both those teams were out of it, I think, at that point. Or no, actually, the Tigers would have been blowing the doors off everyone because it was 2014. Um, so, I mean, do they just not play them? Or, or does it matter... I don't know. That's a great question. If the question, seating is locked I mean, in, do they just not? There's no reason to. Like they just because the playoffs started October seventh, yeah. so if they have the option. I'm sure the Guardians would rather say, "We'll just not play those games," <laughs> unless they oh, want it the. Depends. The Who's money. saying that? Is it is it the players or is it the ownership who wants money from yeah, ticket sales? True, actually, now that I think about that it, yeah. <laughs> they probably want that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's and, I, and again, is that an MLB rule? Like, if it's made up and you don't need it, do you not play it? I can't remember off the top of my head if they could have played that last game against the Tigers or if how that would have worked. But like, yeah, I think you're right. They, obviously the Guardians were out of it and the Tigers were probably destroying everybody, but now I want to yeah. know how that's going to work because also six games in a row against the same team is insanity. That's Dude, basically what the Miners are doing right now so where you play just, a week yeah, look, The last two games are going to be so tiresome. It's just like, uh, this team again? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Fucking Chris Bubich. He's on the mound again. God, this, he's just so much bad pitching. It's going to be horrendous. <laughs> and there's a chance, like if if they clinch those last couple of games, it's going to be the Royals against the hangover team for the Guardians. 
for three games too. Like just all these young call ups and stuff just out there doing their thing. Like, this is dreadful, huh? Yeah, go bad. I hate this. <laughs> I'm going to playoffs in a week. How about you? I'm going to go home. Because um, okay, that's the thing too. Like the Rose are having a just a, a death march of a season themselves. Oh, like they're. Good, yeah. They're a four fourteen winning percentage. You know they're not going to lose a hundred games or anything like that. Well, maybe. <laughs> but they uh, traded for Andrew Benintendi like a year ago. How fucking weird was that? That's true. Yeah, and that, but and they're just like you know they can't pitch. They can barely hit. Um, they have the second, third. Jesus, Washington's bad. Okay, they aren't that bad either. I just I was looking at run differentials. Good lord, Washington's a two hundred minus two ten uh, run differential. <laughs> it's close to like one hundred and sixty. Good lord, that team stinks. Um, again, yes, I think they win the division because they at this point they're as I as I look at the standings, well, a game is happening. They are three games up. Um, uh, they're two games up in the loss column, which is the most important part. But also at this point, I think they're chasing eighty eight wins. I think 88 wins wins the division, and you know they're four games closer than the other two teams. So I just don't want to get, get blown out by the Yankees again. That's, that's all I want. I, I want to win a series for the first time since 2016. <laughs> I'm sick of getting getting the playoffs and just not having it be fun. <laughs> or I, if they get to like two wins in the wild card round, I'm going to be extremely tense because what what is it like? They haven't won an elimination game since the World Series. Because um, remember they won those two in 2017 against the Yankees, and then. Got sank. I remember that. Yeah, I was at my friend's wedding. Uh, it was very upsetting because my my other buddy's dad's a big Yankees fan. Very upsetting. Oh, very upsetting true. indeed. That's bad. Ugh, I worked God, with yeah. Yankees fans, so that was a bad week. Ugh, dreadful. Listen, yeah, we, had, um, we had some fun banter, and I, I did uh, I did some bantering those first two games, and the banter came back. Too. And then you <laughs> felt bad. Oh no! What have <laughs> I done here? Bantered on. <laughs> I was reaping and sowing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was that one tweet. Me going, oh god. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I mean, just again, their, their performance against good teams, right? They're thirty and twenty against better than five hundred teams. Twins and the White Sox are both worse than that. The Whites, I think, they have the hardest schedule of the other two teams. Um, do they really? But again, yeah, the schedule's pretty. I guess maybe it's because I, it's, it's, the it's, it's five percentage points. points. I, yeah. it's, it's not, bad. but but again, that that cushion at the end of the year is just I, that's so insane that that is happening. <laughs> that like, they get to just play that many teams at once. Yeah, just. The Royals that often, like, how can you look at that and not feel? I mean, obviously, the Royals are still a team. They're still going to maybe be competing, but again, you never know. They're a bad like, team who also sold off this year, and there's just they're just parts right now. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, there's 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 nothing going on there. Um, and anyone who like, like even guys who might be able to cause some damage, like someone like uh, Alberto Mondesi, like even if he comes back, because he's hurt, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, even if he comes back, they're not going to play him. We're going we're going to see a bunch of. Very high numbers being played. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, our last thing for the day. Just uh, not to say that Jose Ramirez is is terrible or fallen off the uh, wagon there, but he he's not looked good. Like just going with arbitrary endpoints again. The All Star break um, going into Monday, slashing two sixty one, two ninety seven, four twenty four. Since then, three home runs, thirty seven fly balls, eighteen line drives. So he is. Everything's just going in the air. He's not hitting particularly hard. It's not. It's all medium contact, according to Fangraphs, uh, how they rank him. So it's not like he's. I mean, you've seen it. If anybody who's watched the Guardians have seen how many balls he's just hit straight up in the air for whatever reason. Um, and I, the question just becomes if if he's like that in the postseason, and if he doesn't bounce back, and even if he if he does, and and they need just a second hitter. I mean, who is that? Is I, I think we kind of found out today, and maybe it was already. Um, Pointing that direction, it might be Andres Jimenez, but is there anyone else you had in mind who is kind of the Guardians' um, 
second who was not just having Jose Ramirez carry the team on his own like he had to, I would say, last year and the year before. I mean, if we get to the postseason and it's actively October, I can only think of one man, that's Josh Naylor. The, 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 oh, yeah, that's right. I cannot wait to see him in an October series again. He's going to go bananas. I love that he acknowledged it at one point. What, what Didn't he say that against, like, who else has hit? Garrett Cole like that in the postseason. It was like yeah. he had a couple days ago. It was great. I love that he actually Yeah, no, exactly. Like he, he recognizes what he did. And he's like, yeah, you do rule, actually. And and that's the thing. Like, I guess yeah, to this point, it was like, who can carry the team? I think it's nice that we're getting maybe to a point where no one person has to. Like, at this point, we have a guy who can get on base to open up a game. We have a guy behind him who, who if he's if he's right, is just in fuego. If he's wrong, then it's horrible, but what are you going to do? And then behind uh, Ramirez, you have uh, Jimenez and you have Nailer, and then even some other guys I'm starting to believe. And I wrote last week about Oscar Gonzalez. I'm, you know, I'm still like maybe I'm still you know on the fence about him, but I feel better every day because he used to be one of those unicorn players. Um, I don't know what you do about uh, Ramirez because it's obvious because he hurt his thumb. I think he hurt his thumb a while back, and it just seems like that's the problem. He just like you said, any arbitrary endpoint last seven days, hitting two fifty, two ninety six, three seventy five. Last two weeks. 240, 291, 340. He's hit his first home run in like three weeks uh, the, the other day. He doesn't have any power. He's not hitting any extra bases. He's not working walks very well. Pressing, as you pointed out earlier. Um, it's nice to have guys who can, you know, pick up the slack when he can, but they really need to figure that part out because you can't. We experienced this with, this exe- with the Guardians back in, what was it, 2016, having a black hole in the middle of your lineup with, with, when Mike Napoli became nothing. It's very hard to win games. And when you don't have an elite pitcher to help you do those things and, you know, the right amount of luck as well, it's very difficult. So I think they've built enough of a lineup that you can feel a bit more comfortable. And, um, you know, again, they can cause havoc. And playoff baseball is weird anyway. So not being able to hit the home runs is going to be a big problem because every year for the last, like, six or seven years, you see the guy, the teams who hit the most home runs – generally win in the postseason because it's easy to hit home runs, right? It's easy to hit home run or easy to score runs that way. And the grinding mentality of what Cleveland does, which is like just be a little bit better, is much more, you know, good in a hundred two game season than in a short series. So all this to say, I think they have the guys. It's just can he also be something resembling himself? Yeah. This is also one of the the most just well rounded teams I think that they've had offensively in a long time. Um, it's I, 2017, I, honestly, I, I would say. Yeah. I, yeah, that one. I mean, the pitching was obviously better, but yeah, I think offensively, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. They don't. They had Encarnacion that year. I think was yeah. That was the one year he was with the Guardians, right? Like after that, he kind of tanked. Yeah, right? he, I think he was traded midway through 2018 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that was his one full season. Yeah, but I, I was, I, I've been annoyed with why Terry Francona rests people and platoons people, but I'm starting to get like a feeling there's something very particular they're doing with that. Like it's almost they're doing NBA's load management kind of thing. Like I don't know if any other team is is doing it as methodical as they are because I don't think there's any reason, like any traditional baseball reason that Andres Jimenez has to get so many rest days. I think they they have something like they're just following to. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to go back and look, like map each player and how long they've played before they get a break, and, and try to find like what they're doing somewhere. It just feels like something calculated somewhere is doing their best to to manage the players so they're at their fullest probably in october is the goal too yeah um because i mean like they have tyler freeman up who they haven't demoted or anything but he's barely had playing time but also he plays at third base quite a bit now and jose ramirez shifts over to dh like i wonder if there's just 
a calculated thing they're doing and, and that would and getting rid of friend Reyes, that would kind of make that more sense that they want that open dh spot which they've again we talked about it last week they they seem to be happy they have that spot to do this um, yeah half day movement with now yeah so if they have all these guys who are you got a couple stars in ramirez and menez and also anybody who can fill in anywhere this is like the this is uh if chris Antonetti, chris antonetti had his uh the, what's that glove that thanos has called the infinity gauntlet He's dropping all his pieces. He's got the maximum flexibility now that he's always wanted. Um, he can snap his fingers and just put anybody in anywhere. And like this is the the culmination of what the Guardians have been trying to draft and do for is just not having a lineup of of pure stars, but just the depth all day is is I think what they've been going for. And it's in recent years, it's kind of been the opposite. They had like Lindor and Ramirez, and then just black holes everywhere. And now it's yeah. just like there's maybe a black hole at catcher once in a while. There's a black hole at center field, but then you just swap somebody else out who in who can hit pretty well and. And it kind of works. And I guess the downside of all this is they're all young. So if they all start to play like they're young at the same time, it's going to be a miserable stretch, which we've seen earlier this year. It just depends when it'll hit again. But um, yeah, it all just kind of adds up to just a really fun team. And if it's not Jose Ramirez carrying the team, it'll be Andres Jimenez one day. It'll be Stephen Kwan hitting a, hitting a game for a week straight. Or whatever, yeah. yeah, Ahmed Rosario going off. Like They just have so many guys who can go off randomly. Josh Naylor could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just There's just so many guys who can hit at one point and it doesn't have to be just jose ramirez which i think is good for him and good for everybody else and maybe if, if he starts to feel that a little more he won't feel like he has to press as much which i think is kind of the goal of just what you want him to be in october so he doesn't feel like he's trying to do everything and, and swinging at everything he shouldn't be and popping everything up and um he can have a good postseason again and to your point or two about that versatility it's like you look i, th- I think uh, the game two of monday's doubleheader is a perfect example of this like the guy playing center field is will benson which, you know, I just like he's not what you imagine when you think of a center fielder, but he's also decent at it because he's athletic, and so is Quan, and, uh, you know, so is he's playing right field today. So is Oscar Gonzalez. He, he's fa- he is way faster than you think. I think it's just because he has long-ass legs. But, yeah, they just have this, this athletic flexibility. It's not like – it's not just platoon flexibility. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just like this guy can hit righties, this guy can hit lefties. It's this guy can – go and get it okay. Or, you know, th- this guy can spell this guy. And so not having two big plotting guys out there, really fr- having that, the DH spot really, it's, you know, we've, they've realized the the use for it basically. But. Yeah. We've always seen like one or two guys like this and it's, it's worked with mild success, but now they have a whole team of guys. Like this is just the ultimate goal of what they've been building towards. Just to yeah. everybody can swap it in and out. And nobody is. Honestly, like, <laughs> I, I, th- I think Jose Ramirez is the absolute, like, like one hundredth percentile level, like like a type of guy they want to have, or even Jimenez probably, where he just does everything really well. <laughs> like he yeah. steals bases, he hits for power, he hits for average. He, he's athletic. He plays the, the field well. Like obviously, that's otherwise known as a superstar. But like it's just like like um, it's like having a whole bunch of Shinsu chews, that sort of thing too, right? Like he doesn't do any one thing really well, but he does everything well and. I feel like that's what they're kind of that they've kind of put together here over the last six or seven years of, of drafting and production and stuff like that. And damn, man, I'm just that's so good. <laughs> and, and you just sort of mentioned base stealing, but he is so good at just I don't he, he's fast, but he's not like the fastest player out there. But he is so good at reading a pitcher. Yeah, exactly. I've never seen it's somebody that's consistently such good jumps as he does. I don't know what it is. Just, all the time, I can just so good. He, he, it's it's one of those things that's utterly unteachable. It's not unteachable, but it's like it's a weird like experience and also just kind of instinct that like you just know how the game works and like it, it's what it's, it's where great managers come from, but also it's just where great players come from. Like it, it's like it, it's why sometimes like 
it'd be like Albert Pujols' numbers. And like back in the day, he'd have seasons where he'd have like ten steals, and it's like him. And it's just because like he knew what he could get get away with effectively. And like it wasn't like he's not he's going to go go out and try and steal you know steal fifty bases, but you know let's see he. But he can read a game yeah. and know when it's a good time to go. And yeah, like yep. in two thousand five, Pools had sixteen steals and two caught steals. Like two thousand nine, same thing. Sixteen and four. Two thousand ten, same thing. Fourteen four. Like reading the game, just understanding like this guy is doing this. I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to grab a base because it'll help the team win a little bit more. And it's just like like I was saying before, there's that all that around the margins kind of a stuff. Like it really helps a team over those hundred and sixty two. That doesn't you know it doesn't show up quite as well in, in the postseason, but. You know, that, that's when the that's when the stars have to shine, and Cleveland is starting to collect a few stars. You know, I mean, even you know, even someone like Quan, like you said, like, he could have a three for four, four for five night, or you know, a time where he gets on base five times and scores three runs. Like, God, we're gonna have him that's off for the next decade. That's gonna be so awesome. I agree. That. <laughs> you know, my one worry is, and I think about this all the time, is I love Stephen Quan. I think he's very good, but I keep on hearing about all these prospects, and it's like. One of them is like really, yeah. really good. And <laughs> he like, blocks him and then yeah, yeah he blocks him and get rid of him and he goes somewhere else and becomes an all star. I'm like, no. <laughs> so like, I think about this all the time, like uh, whether it's Arius or um, I don't know uh, Brennan or Freeman, uh, up and that could happen. Freeman or Valera or any of these guys who was just like we don't have room for us, so we can't play. Like, uh-huh. Or like you know, like Oscar Gonzalez, another good example, like. What if he hits 300 over the next two years, but he, he never walks more than like eight, like six percent of the time? You're like, oh, gee. and then they, they don't have room for you know Nolan Jones is, is is sent away or whatever. So it's like too much of a good thing, I guess. And obviously, it's a stupid thing to worry about, but it's a good like, problem to have until it backfires. Then it's exactly like, until like until you have a guy who's pretty, you know, you've got he was like a 115, 120 WRC plus guy, and then like, well, we can't fit him, so we'll get rid of him. He goes, and he's, he's just like an MVP. <laughs> Yu Chang, I think he's probably not great again now, but he was looking good with the Rays there for a little bit. It's every good player who goes to the Rays. Is, um, they they find the same exact play. Yeah, he's, he's bad again. But is he? No, he's still really good with the Rays. What the hell? It's, <laughs> it's, it's got to be a bad WRC thing, plus in nineteen games with the Rays. I'm not going to worry too much about that one. Yeah, no, it's uh, he's one of the ones where like, he got a chance that didn't that didn't work out. I'd be happy for him, but he got a million chances. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he, he he got his look, and we we moved on. You know, if he does well elsewhere. Fine, I don't care. Yeah, good for him. I'm happy. Like I like watching you, Chang. Be good. That's fun for me. Um, yeah, that'll do, do it for us this week. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on Covering the Corner, uh, CoveringTheCorner.com. Find us on Twitter at Cover the Corner on Facebook. I am Matt R L Y on Twitter. Merritt is at Merrill Lunch, like Merrill Lunch with lunch. Um, Merritt, talk to you next week. Well, no, talk I'll be to you there. Two weeks. You won't be there next week. Two weeks. I will be there. We'll back to Whatever. back home runs. I'll see you next week. <laughs> see ya.